Hello, I'm Maya. I'm Aline. And I'm Kataline. This is BNC's Silver Voices. Podcast where we keep you up to date on all of the Maryland news that you need to know. Thanks for joining us. Hi everyone, it's Kataline. And today I thought I'd tell you a bit about mail-in voting for this upcoming election. Normally I have to say I don't pay too much attention to the mail but it's become increasingly significant this election with it being the first year Maryland has had the option statewide, and about 50% of registered voters have applied to vote by mail this year. Hopefully you know that the deadline to apply for a mail-in ballot was October 20th, and you need to have your ballot postmarked by November 3rd. You can either send it in the mail or leave it at a designated drop box, one of which is right here at Blair. For this episode, I'm joined by Paul Ellis, who's the campaign manager for Jamie Raskin and a former Blazer. I guess first I should probably ask, what do you think is most important for voters in Maryland to know about sending in their ballots this election? The single most important thing that they should know is they should send the ballots in early, like now, the moment you're hearing this. The second most important thing is that they should sign the oath on the back of the envelope if they requested a vote by mail ballot. So I know we saw uh, quite a few delays in Baltimore during the primaries. Do you think that there's going to be similar delays with ballots being held up during this election? And has USPS sort of been working to make sure that this doesn't happen for the general election? So there are two reasons why I think there won't be similar delays this time, and we haven't seen them so far. One is in the primary there's a bit of a dispute between the state board of elections and the vendor that printed and mailed Maryland's ballots in the June primary. And the State Board of Elections says the vendor did not mail the ballots on the timeline they were assigned to. And the vendor says the State Board of Elections didn't send them the list of ballots to be mailed on the timeline they were supposed to. But regardless of the result, this time in the general election, a different vendor, a different printing house is making and mailing Maryland's ballots. And the State Board of Elections had that vendor, the new vendor, ship the ballots to Maryland to then be introduced into the U.S. Postal Service. So whereas in the primary, the ballots were printed, I believe, mainly in Minnesota, and they were mailed starting from Minnesota, in this general election, they started to be mailed from Maryland. Overall, the U.S. Postal Service is really reliable at sending things where they need to go. And it has one of the proudest workforces and they're not gonna stand for any of the attacks on them leveled by this administration. Minnesota is a bit far away from Maryland. That could definitely cause some delays. And so there has been some concerns that there's like voter fraud um, and that it's just not going to be safe to vote through the mail. Do you think that there's any sort of legitimacy to these claims? There's no legitimacy. Voter fraud is rarer than being struck by lightning. It's incredibly rare. The reason, first of all, the president of the United States votes by mail. His attorney general votes by mail. So if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for the rest of us. But second, there's no evidence of widespread voter fraud. There's barely any evidence of any cases of voter fraud. In the past several decades of elections, millions upon millions of votes cast, there were in about 100 to 200 documented cases in the entire United States in that time period. What I'll say about it is that in the case of 
Maryland and most states, it would be very challenging for anyone to vote for someone else for a couple reasons. One is usually most ballots have a barcode that's unique to one person. And so you can't photocopy the ballot uh, because if you submitted both the original and the copy, they would have the same barcode and the state would find that there was a duplicate vote. Second, in a lot of states, but not in Maryland, they compare the signature on the ballot to one on file. It's hard to forge a signature. In Maryland, even though it's not an exact match state, what you have to say when you're going to vote in person is your name, your address, your month and date of birth, and your party registration, which generally are not things that people who don't know you at all uh, would be able to figure out easily. So it's really not worth talking about as much as other factors preventing people from voting. Um, and Republicans often seek to talk about it to undermine confidence in our electoral process. So that you would say that there's enough sort of like precautions in place to prevent it? Yeah, absolutely. Do some of these precautions also then lead to more challenges for certain groups of people that'll have like a harder time voting by mail? So there's a couple of groups in particular that uh, it presents a challenge for. One is the, the blind community. The National Federation for the Blind has written to the State Board of Elections to talk about this. And there is a form that someone can fill out if they're assisting someone in filling out their ballot. I talked to a blind couple in the primary who had been delivered their ballots, but they believed they misplaced them and they didn't want to ask someone to come into their apartment to help search for them because they were concerned about COVID. So overall, there are there is assistance available if people do go in person to vote and take precautions. And I do think that the State Board of Elections has been receptive to and mindful of concerns raised by people who are blind. But I would also say, in general, anyone whose first language isn't English may have difficulty if there's a lot of really detailed procedures that are explained all in English. Now, again, Montgomery County does really well on this topic. It provides election materials in several languages, but even for the most frequent voters, this election is so substantially different that there's a lot of new rules to be mindful of. Fortunately, I will also say some measures to get the word out about voting in different languages uh, have been taken by the State Board of Elections as far as, in addition to translating materials, translating advertisements and advertising on different conventional media, like print media and TV, but also radio, online, um, social media. They've done a lot of work trying to meet communities where they are because everyone should be able to vote. And I know you said that Montgomery County was doing a good job of this. Would you say that other counties, uh, specifically maybe more rural counties in Maryland, have been making similar efforts or have you seen it more in this area? Well, I think I've seen it most in Montgomery County and that really has to do with the fact that the larger counties in the state, but also in the country, have a larger tax base and they have a larger budget and they choose to devote more of their budget to election administration. So while some more rural counties might not need as, as vast an election administration infrastructure, uh, counties like ours do and we prioritize that there should be free and fair elections 
every eligible vote should be counted. And a question that should be asked is, is our democracy as representative as it can be? Are people, is everyone who wants to vote actually getting the chance to vote in a convenient, safe, easy way? And in Montgomery County, we've prioritized that and we said yes. I think there's other counties that have prioritized that. I think you see that reflected in the fact that we have a lot of other counties that chose to have multiple drop boxes available for people to return their ballots so they didn't only have the option to return it by U.S. mail. There's drop boxes in Frederick County, there's drop boxes in Carroll County, there's drop boxes all around the state. Montgomery County particularly sought out even more drop boxes because we're so populous. But the other thing I emphasize to people is that if they have any concern whatsoever, the drop boxes are a great alternative. There, so there's people who want to switch, uh, who requested a vote by mail ballot, and now they want to switch and vote in person. And I would caution people that while it is possible to do that, if you make that choice, when you go in person, they may ask you to vote a provisional ballot, which means you'll have to wait in a separate line and it could add 45 minutes to an hour to your entire voting trip. So it's a lot better if you are among the 50% of Maryland voters who did request a vote by mail ballot, stick with it. If you're concerned at all about the time frame of returning ballot, take it to a drop box. The drop boxes are made of steel. They're under 24 hour surveillance. They're emptied twice a day by bipartisan teams of election judges. Everything is cross-checked. There's no way that anyone could mess with one of these drop boxes. They're really heavy, they're really bulky, and they're in public view. So the drop boxes are a great option. And people like to see, people like the feeling of putting their ballot in a box that's the state's possession. They like to see that, and people have been posting pictures of that, and that's, that's wonderful. So if it was an election where we were introducing all these new steps, and it was not an election that people were particularly interested in, we would have a big problem. But it so happens that this election is perhaps the most publicly interested uh, election we've ever seen. It's of great consequence. A lot of people who've never voted are making the effort to vote uh, because it's so important because the stakes are so high. So what we do have on our side is that people are very strongly motivated to vote whatever it takes. Thank you so much for talking with me today and happy birthday again. Thanks so much. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else, like any last comments, any other important things that you think voters should know? I think there's two things. One is it's important to say it is very likely we will not have all the election results from some states on Tuesday night, November 3rd, which is really different than other years. That's to be expected that's normal, and that's because they're making sure that every eligible vote is counted. That's also because some of the 50 states have rules that prevent them from starting to count the ballots until Tuesday, November 3rd. So if you've got way more ballots coming in by mail than usual, and you can't start counting them until election day itself, it's not a surprise that we won't have the full count by the evening of Tuesday, November 3rd. So uh, specifically, it happens that some of those states are incredibly consequential for the outcome of the presidential election and control of the US Senate. So Wisconsin 
and Pennsylvania, I believe, cannot begin counting ballots until Tuesday, November 3rd. Michigan is now permitting some localities to begin counting before them, but not that far before. So people should follow the Associated Press. The Associated Press calls an election for a candidate specifically. Um, they do it based on exit polls. They do it based on a lot of data. If the Associated Press is not calling a race, it doesn't really matter what one candidate or another might say not all the votes will have been counted. And so it's gonna take us a little bit longer into November to know all the outcomes of all the races. Thanks again to Paul Ellis for joining us today. Hopefully you learned something new about voting and please make sure you have a plan to vote if you're eligible. And if you have any other questions, you can check in with Jamie Raskin's office. Thanks for listening. You can follow BNC's podcasts on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or on our website, BNC Online.